now. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. And we need him now. For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have to have no sign. This is the Cocktail Nation. This week, a story that many outside the US don't know. One day, an Australian Prime Minister, the head of our country, disappeared. More on that fascinating story soon, plus a new spy show that you need to check out, courtesy of the BBC. Let's kick off now with Narco Lounge Combo and Alphaville. Nation. Mm-hmm. 
intonations terrified space sound unlimited there and Besurf, my anatomy of a lounge lothario in your podcast inbox fictional lounge lotharios is the go at the moment and if you've got a suggestion i'd love to hear from you you can always email the cocktonation at gmail.com this week featuring alfie this is the cocktail nation with cooper Now imagine if the President of the United States one day went for a swim and disappeared. Could you imagine what that would be like? It's insane, isn't it? It wouldn't happen. Well, that's what happened in Australia. The head of our country, we call the Prime Minister, in the 1960s, went for a swim and was never seen again. This is the story of the disappearance of Prime Minister Harold Holt. I'm going to kick back and let a man by the name of David Spears from Sky News tell the story. Cocktail Nation. Few events in Australia's political history have affected the nation as much as the loss in 1967 of a Prime Minister, Harold Holt, in the waters off Portsea in Victoria. Australians watched and waited as a massive search and rescue operation unfolded. The black and white TV images of that day and the weeks that followed will forever stay with those who watched the tragedy unfold. The controversy of the Prime Minister's disappearance would also have a profound effect on the political scene in the decade ahead. December the 17th, 1967, and Australia watched in shock and initial disbelief as news of the Prime Minister's disappearance in the surf off Portsea in Victoria spread across the nation. At 12 o'clock today, of the Portsea Beach with a friend, Alan Stewart of Armadale. A few moments later, Alan Stewart realised that he could no longer see the Prime Minister and has then given the alarm. Rescuers trundled their way to the search scene from surrounding communities. Police and military divers deployed to Cheviot Beach by helicopter. Crowds silently lined the roadway. The rescue teams faced a futile task, but they persisted. Search coordinators believed there could be a chance the Prime Minister would be found alive on a beach somewhere some distance away. Uh, the Army is in charge of the whole operation. Uh, three helicopters have been called in. Um, lots of local boats have been employed. Australians had never before been witness to such a sustained search for a missing person. In that era, Australians needed a government-issued licence to listen to radio or watch TV. The money raised by this licence financed the ABC. And on that December day, and in the days ahead, the ABC used the money well, broadcasting continuously from Cheviot Beach, constantly updating progress in the search. Holt's private secretary, Tony Eggleton, became the face of the tragedy, facing the cameras time and time again, his features showing the increased strain as hopes for a rescue faded. An extensive search has been um, in operation since uh, approximately two o'clock today. Up until the present time, of course, we've found no trace of our Prime Minister. No, he certainly was not wearing flippers or wetsuit or anything of that kind. He was just going for a swim. There was only one person with the Prime Minister? There was only one person in the water with the Prime Minister. The tragedy came 692 days after Harold Holt had become Prime Minister, assuming the role on Australia Day 1966. Holt unashamedly backed his mentor Bob Menzies in supporting the United States and Australia's involvement in Vietnam. But I don't believe there are problems for one section of the Australian people. The problem of Australian security, for example, is not merely a problem for 70,000 young men. It's a problem for the whole of the Australian people. Everybody in this community will have to come into line in a spirit of self-sacrifice and of contribution if we are to have Australia safe and sound. In June 1966, he went to Washington and formed a close personal relationship with President Lyndon B. Johnson. You have in us not merely an understanding friend, but one staunch in the belief of the need for our presence with you in Vietnam we are not there because of our friendship. We are there because, like you, we believe it is right to be there. And so, sir, in uh, the lonelier and uh, perhaps uh, 
even more disheartening moments which come to any national leader. I hope uh, there will be a corner of your mind and heart which takes cheer from the fact that you have an admiring friend, a staunch friend, that will be all the way with LBJ. That off-the-cuff remark to the President did not sit well at home. With an election looming and in an effort to bolster Holt's chances, LBJ responded in kind, becoming the first American President to visit Australia. November the 26th, Holtz went to the polls for the election of both Houses of Parliament, facing a campaign remembered as the most tumultuous in 65 years since Federation. Noisy protesters demonstrated against the United States and the Vietnam War. One, two, three, four. Make the commies stop the war. They are such true Democrats that they don't even want to hear what the democratically elected Prime Minister of their country has to say. At Rockdale in Sydney, Holt faced head-on a violent demonstration. Protesters yelled, drowned out his speech, leaving Holt sweating and lost for words. Outside, the demonstrators spat, punched and threatened the PM with physical violence. Ten days before polling day, New South Wales police uncovered a plot to assassinate the Prime Minister. Disgruntled Yugoslav immigrant Nadelko Gajic spent six days waiting at Parliament House for the chance to strike. He told police he intended to kill the head man in the hope of being deported to his homeland and that he had with him a 22 calibre rifle and 100 rounds of ammunition. After two jury trials ended without a verdict, prosecutors dropped the charges. His absence from Canberra on the hustings may have saved Harold Holt's life, but his landslide 41-seat majority win definitely saved the coalition government. Holt's election victory came against the odds, and despite the political security of a crowded backbench, he did face resentment and opposition within his party. And in the charged atmosphere of his disappearance, the mystery of his fate launched a surge of conflicting theories. Some thought he'd been abducted in a Chinese submarine, others murdered by a jealous husband or assassinated by a political foe. If you look at his situation, he was taking multiple medications from different practitioners, one in Victoria, another one in Canberra, um, and he was under immense pressure from all the intrigue within his party. In Washington, President Johnson shared the nation's shock on the loss of a man Johnson considered a personal friend. From the moment that the wire service teletypes in the White House had clattered out their messages about Prime Minister Holt, there was little doubt that the president's holiday plans would undergo drastic change. In less than 24 hours, an entourage of four jet planes, including Air Force One and 300 newsmen and aides had been assembled for the trip to Australia. To be met with a sombre greeting from acting Prime Minister John McEwen. By way of welcome to Canberra, Prime Minister Holt's interim successor, John McEwen, assured President Johnson that despite the change in leadership, there would be no change in Australia's commitment in South Vietnam. In Melbourne, Johnson joined world leaders for the farewell at St Paul's Cathedral, including the royal patronage of Prince Charles and colleagues and foes from both sides of the dispatch boxes. Outside the cathedral, crowds massed in mourning, as inside the congregation heard of Holt's achievements in life and politics. We are gathered here today to remember before Almighty God, our late Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Harold Edward Holt. We mourn today for a man who loved Australia, who lived for Australia, who gave his best for Australia. Despite being assured the passing of power to another Prime Minister would not impede Australia-US relations, Johnson remarked that it just won't be the same without Harold Holt. But history is going to reserve a very honoured place in its memory for the name and for the role of Harold Holt. At a critical time, it was he that saw the vision, and it was he that assumed the leadership, and it was he that imbued us all with a new spirit and with a fuller faith. In Canberra, President Johnson addressed Cabinet, comparing the death of Harold Holt with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, as he completed an 18-hour round of talks and meetings with representatives of America's allies in the Vietnam War, before embarking on Air Force One for the flight back to Washington. The formal police investigation into the death of Harold Holt concluded accidentally drowned, 
That left many questions unanswered. Why did an experienced diver go into the water under such weather conditions? Had anyone else been implicated in his death? Did the police inquiry cover all bases? Not until 2005 did an inquest on the Prime Minister's death occur, with the coroner's finding matching that of the police all those years ago. Those who've studied the case suggest there could also be another solution to the mystery. And I think that as he was out swimming, there was this key moment when he realised that he was in danger and he had to make the choice. Do I fight back against the water or do I just surrender to the water and die? Or he might have had a heart attack and then perish. I certainly don't believe there's any conspiracy theory. I think he was just simply worn down by the pressures of the job. Harold Holt's legacy is shrouded by his untimely death. The intrigue and the fight to take his place at the lodge began even as mourners packed into St Paul's Cathedral. Former Liberal and founder of the Australian Democrats, Don Chip, later described the atmosphere at the memorial as sickening and described some of the mourners as unspeakable bastards. John Gorton won the post of Prime Minister after challenger Billy McMahon faced a split with coalition partners, the Country Party. But I have told Mr McMahon that neither I nor my Country Party colleagues would be prepared to serve under him as Prime Minister. The Liberal Party infighting and the mystery of his passing overshadows Holt's political achievements. There are many memorials to his life. In the Melbourne suburb of Glen Iris, a swimming centre bears his name. In far northwestern Australia, the Northwest Cape Naval Signal Station also bears the legend Harold E. Holt. It provides communications to the US Navy and the Royal Australian Naval ships and submarines in the Western Pacific. And in 1969, the US Navy invited Dame Zara Holt to launch its new $20 million destroyer, the USS Harold E. Holt. As the Women's Weekly recorded, it took eight blows across the bow before the champagne bottle finally broke. Digue de cocktail nation with plonge leader Coucou Père.
Jacob Cooper, the man Don Draper wants to be when he grows up. You have the cool, clear eyes of a seeker of wisdom and truth. Yet there's that upturned chin and the grin of impetuous youth. sound of good solid judgment whenever you talk yet there's that bold brave spring of the tiger that quickens your walk oh I believe my fellow man all but falls apart I have but to feel your hand grasping mine and I take heart I take heart to see the cool clear Eyes of a seeker of wisdom and truth Yet there's that slam Bang Tang Reminiscent of gin and vermouth Cocktail Nation. Nation with Daniel Pemberton there and I Spy. That is from a brand new TV show. It might be about a year or so old, but uh, I just came across it. It's called The Game. 
And it's set in the 1970s, early 1970s, first-rate Cold War miniseries from the BBC. And it is absolutely terrific. The interesting thing, of course, with the early 1970s and uh, the 1960s styles weren't a whole lot different, particularly uh, adult men pretty much get the same styles ahead through the 40s, 50s and 60s. So this is visually quite amazing and a terrific story. So if you get a chance, check it out. The music by Daniel Pemberton, one of my favourites, is just superb. The plot, complex and intelligent, lots of twists and turns. And if you're a Lacare fan, well, you'll absolutely love this. So if you get a chance, check out The Game on the BBC. Cocktail Nation. Let's take a look at Lounge Life magazine. Got the story of the 1920s California theatre that has been uh, purchased by a new owner by the name of Quentin Tarantino. Be interested to see what uh, he's got to play at his new cinema. And Prince Charles revealed that his 1960s Aston Martin runs on cheese and wine byproducts. Absolutely incredible story. It's run on surplus English white wine and uh, way from the cheese process. Of course, a lot of people give him a lot of grief about that one. I suppose it's a fairly toffee sort of thing to do, but it is quite fascinating. This same car, actually, you would have seen driven around in the crown if you watched that one. It's amazing that he's kept this car. It's from the 1960s. He's kept it through his entire life, and it looks absolutely spectacular. It's a convertible Aston Martin, but uh, certainly an interesting story and something that I've been talking about for a fair while when it comes to classic cars. What's going to keep classic cars alive? Here in Australia, in our nation's capital, they have said that uh, by 2030, you won't be able to purchase a petrol car, a combustible engine car. You just simply won't be able to purchase a brand new one. And of course, the world is starting to phase them out in favour of electric cars. But what will happen to the classic cars, particularly as fuel becomes rarer and rarer? God knows it's expensive right now. Imagine what it might be like in 30 years' time. How will you keep your classic car running? Well, Prince Charles has found one answer, I suppose. We've also got the story of why Cary Grant turned down 007 and how Sean Connery bagged Dr. No instead. Those stories and a whole lot more via Lounge Life magazine. Links on my website, cocktailnation.net, your free retro magazine. On the Cocktail Nation, deep. Once we have self-driving cars, wipers will no longer be essential because the car doesn't need a clean windshield to drive. Only humans do. Very deep. Cocktail Nation.
Cooper. Trite and a bit trashy, but uh, yeah, give it a go. What will happen on the Cocktail Nation?
with Skip Heller tomorrow the green grass reminds me of a former friend of mine who always wanted me to develop a very live and and local presence here in Sydney live shows and stuff like that and I I did it for a little while but it's just never a fun thing I like doing I don't particularly like live DJing I really don't I like hosting events happy to do that always happy to grab a microphone and have a bit of a chat but Sitting, spinning records to a live crowd, it's just never really grabbed me. I like playing them on the radio. That's fine, sitting in a booth playing music. But standing in a booth in a nightclub when there's lots and lots of people around that I could be talking to, I find really, really dull. I know, it's just me. DJ Bone Break before that and uh, Burn Scene 007. Tiki Delights and Twist of Lyman on the Concatenation. This is X to LA now.
take the elevator up to Cooper's Penthouse. www.cocktailnation.net
types sont de cocktail nation. C'est l'idée de la vie. Plaisir, variété, c'est fabuleux, vous devez essayer. Cocktail Nation Mid Copper. I got rhythm, I got music, I got my gal who could ask for anything more. I got daisies in green pastures, I got my gal who could ask for anything more. Old man trouble, I don't mind him. You won't find him around my door. I got starlight, I got sweet dreams. I got my gal who could ask for anything more. Who could ask for more? Dr. Nation, Bobby Darren, I got rhythm next week on the show, catching up with Gary Rabusi. His latest spy novel called Who's Got the Action? Terrific, terrific book. We'll share that with you. And in celebration, a whole stack of spy jazz, a full spy show coming your way next week. I'm going to leave you with Frank Sinatra and Summer Wind. Stay hip. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. All summer long, we sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand. Two sweethearts and the summer wind. Painted kites, those days and nights, they went flying by. The world was new beneath the blue umbrella sky. Then, softer than a piper man, one day. Called to you I lost you I lost you to the summer wind The autumn wind And the winter winds They have come and gone And still the day Sighs his lullabies through nights that never end. My fickle friend, the summer wind, the summer wind, warm summer wind. Summer wind.